Alpha Media fires back at Larry Wilson and his filing with the FCC, but did they miss the mark? Another shot at subscription radio, this time in California. Linear TV losing its relevance pretty quickly. Amazing how quickly that's happening. All this, and of course, the week's hot hits. For the week of May 3rd, this is Media Insultant. Welcome back to Media Insultant. Each week, we kind of tear into media. We spend a little too much time on the radio, but what are old jocks supposed to do? I'm Jackson Weaver here in Seattle. My co-host is in Southern California. His name is Keith Samuels, and Keith uh, right now is uh, making sure that his makeup girl is out of the initial camera shot. So good morning, Keith. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm recovering from the attack of my dermatologist last week, so... Uh... I hope I hope everything's okay. Oh, you but, you frame up beautifully. You just yeah, the, the liquid nitrogen, uh, you know, tank um, emptied out on my face and arms. So um, <laughs> uh, so much for my uh, my misspent youth on the beaches of Southern California with baby oil instead of sunscreen. Ooh, that hurts. Just just having you say that that's that's kind of a sucker punch. Not fair to bring up baby oil in this show. Okay. As a matter of fact, that's probably the first time we've talked about baby oil. So and maybe, and maybe the last. So there I you hope- go. Hopefully the last. All right, so we're going to start this week's show off with a discussion about Alpha Media has fired back at Larry Wilson. As we all know, Larry Wilson, a couple of weeks ago, filed with the FCC claiming that Alpha Media had done him egregious wrong and that they should be denied their license renewal in the, in the process. Now, of course, Larry Wilson is one of the equity owners who got booted out in this process. And in the restructuring, the bankruptcy restructuring, all the equity guys went away. The only people who are holding equity now are the debt holders, the lien holders, and a couple of management people. So what do you think? This is such a, such an interesting drama. You know, we move from one personal drama, Ed Stoltz is taken care of. Now we get into the Larry Wilson alpha battle. What's your thought on this whole thing, Keith? Well, well, this this has a lot more significance than uh, than our friend Ed does, because this is, a, this is a big group of a lot of radio stations and a lot of markets. Uh, it, it, it does truly matter. The really sad part about this is that Larry was the founder of Alpha. I mean, you know, this was his second coming after uh, after building and selling Citadel for you know <clears throat> a lot of money and making a lot of guys a lot of money. Right. And right. Uh, in this in this counter filing that uh, that Alpha has had to to perform, um, they're accusing Larry of being bombastic. I think they also said that he was spurious. That is as serious a charge as anyone can have leveled against you. He was spurious and in a more reasoned tone that his assertions were false. It's become a he said, she said kind of thing, or he said, they said kind of thing. Larry and his attorney, you know, his attorney said, this is the most egregious offenses I've, I've seen against a, a, a shareholder and, and against the FCC process in over 40 years of practice. Yeah, Larry's pissed. Yeah, Larry might have gotten screwed. But Larry also knows how to really get to the sensitive tissue of, uh, of Alpha, and that is to mess up their license renewal in the middle of their bankruptcy process. So if he can drag out that process, he can really hurt these guys. And I think, he has, I think he has already. I think that's, uh, that's really true. And, and, you know, his challenge on the licenses is really the only legitimate thing he's got. Most of his arguments in this 
filing he's got with the FCC are civil matters. Well, they held an improper board meeting. Well, they did this, they did that. That's all fine. As far as the FCC is concerned, they don't much care. That's a civil matter. What they do care about is illegal transfer, improper, unnotified transfer of control. And they're really picky about this. So they're going to have to spend some time investigating it. And one of the things we've learned about the FCC over the years is that in the process of investigating anything, everything slows down. And so there's probably not going to be a quick resolution on this. And as you say, that's Larry's method of extracting pain. Well, yeah. And and the fact of the matter is, if if he'd filed suit, if he'd filed a civil matter, you know, he'd get a court date six months from now, you know, if then. And all of the bankruptcy, all of the renewals, all of this stuff would just would just go through. It would be no problem. And all of a sudden, he'd be stuck with you know no leverage except what he said versus what they say. And now you know he's he's going. You know what? <clears throat> I'm not going to worry about the civil. I'm going to go. I'm going to go after. I'm going right to the heart. I'm driving a stake through their bankruptcy, which I which he also thinks is bogus. They should have refunded the company themselves, and really, really, really go right straight to the heart. So he didn't mess around. He's playing hardball. And you're right, the FCC is going to have to take a look at this. They're just at least going to have to take a look at it, and that will slow the bankruptcy down. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a, I think it's a pretty smart move by Larry. It's a predictable response by, the, by, by Profit and the two partners, the two equity holders that are, uh, that are funding this and making these decisions out, without Larry. And, um, you know, we'll see. It's just going to be fun fodder for the media insultants, for sure. Be sure to tune in next week for for the for the next exciting installation of as the Alpha Media Larry Wilson saga turns. All right, moving on to something that's uh, really been you know you and I have talked about this at some point. We've talked about the fact that in in a lot of ways media is becoming more and more subscription based. Not only OTT things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and that kind of thing, but even audio is going to become more and more subscription based. Or, or that's our theory. And people are playing with different things. There's a company called Clip Interactive which has renamed itself Audia. And you and I could get off on a, on a long list of, uh, of names that start with odd for audio. So let's not go there. But I would wait, like wait a minute. To... We're going to rename our deal the odd couple. A-U-D <laughs> couple. What do you think? Audacity? Oh, no, that's, that's closer to intercom. Okay, fine. All right. We're this the audacious couple. Yeah, we're the odd couple. We're the audacious couple. Oh, geez. All right. So let's continue with this uh, in a more legitimate uh, fashion. But... Audia now has, uh, has ch- Clip Interactive has changed their name to Audia. What's the significance of that? What are they doing? Well, what they're doing is um, what they always were doing. They were, they were doing some you know, tech back stuff, tech, back tech stuff for, for radio stations and in podcasting and also in interactive uh, technology and so forth. But now they've come out with this new product that is allowing stations to um, sell a premium subscription service to get those stations or those formats in non fashion so you'd subscribe to uh, you know a station and get it without spots okay and for a certain price per month and they're doing a couple of test markets now i know one of the players in this test market and you do as well that's michael o'shea at uh, up in uh, sonoma santa rosa area and his stations are now going to participate in a subscription test up there, about 300,000, 390,000 population in the marketplace. And then Tom Birch and Nation's Lake Media, which you know a little bit more about than I do, are, is the other test market or test group 
uh, for this product. But, you know, it just strikes me odd that, you know, um, you, you, that we're going to try to sell our non-commercial versions of our stations. And what's the advantage to that? Financially, I could understand why it might be an advantage for a listener to go, oh, great, I can listen to my, I can listen to the, the river in, in Sonoma or Santa Rosa for, uh, you know, for commercial free, that'd be great. But it's not, is it really the radio station commercial free? And, and how, and, and is it that much better? And then, by the way, revenue-wise, if I'm going to charge six, eight, nine, ten bucks a month to get non-commercial, how many subscribers do I have to get to make up for the loss of ad revenue that I could be getting at fifty bucks a spot or twenty-five bucks a spot? Ten of those an hour is five hundred bucks an hour. You know, times twenty-four. You do the math. There's a lot of ad revenue that you're going to lose because those people aren't listening anymore. So I, I think they're hoping that they can. They can do both, that they'll get enough subscribers to make that valuable and they'll get, and, and it won't deplete the audience enough so that they can still sell in Sonoma, their Eastland ratings. They can still sell to the ad community and still keep getting, you know, uh, the numbers to justify the rates. Are they cutting their nose off to spite their face, Jackson? I think they might be. Well, and you and I have kind of a different point on uh, point of view. So I, I look at it and say, look, we got to They've got to experiment with something. They're declining audiences on their over-the-air signal all the time. So, can they recapture some of that revenue? And you know, NBC's got the same problem. NBC uh, Universal has just now announced that I think sometime middle of the year, their uh, NBC Sports Channel is going to go away. No longer is there going to be an NBC Sports Channel. They carried NFL and they carried NASCAR. And what they're doing is they're cutting that so they lose 80 million subscribers. They lose all the revenue from the cable systems for 80 million subscribers. And they're moving that content to Peacock. That's the same balance. How do we get enough people to pay for Peacock or enough ad revenue from Peacock on the ad-supported side of it in order to balance it out? It, it, these, they're going to have to make some real dangerous, courageous choices in this if they're going to grow into the way the media landscape should look in the future. Well, yeah, but NBC situation is a little bit different because they have other networks. They've got USA Network and they've got, they've got some other true TV, I don't know, whatever else they've got. They've got other cable outlets where some of this content's going to go. So, so this is not all going to Peacock. Oh, okay. I thought it all well, If it is going dangerous. to Peacock, some of it will remain on some of the traditional cable channels that NBC still owns. They just didn't feel that they needed to have a separate channel. But, you know, with, with our radio guys... So here I am, you know, get, get the river 97.7, you know, for commercial free by subscribing, you know, go to our website and subscribe. You know, you're entering into an environment where people who have already decided to leave terrestrial radio and pay to stream audio content on Spotify, on Pandora, on, on, or uh, I don't even know, you know, Apple radio. Yeah iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio app, um, and all the other streaming services where you can get brilliantly curated formats, commercial free, and they're outstanding, you know, or you already are paying to get a, a commercial free version of Spotify and Pandora, for example, or, you know, you know, Amazon Music, you know, all this stuff is out there. Why would I want to subscribe to my local radio stations? or feed or non-commercial version of it. I mean, is that, much, is, that, is that better programmed than what I'm already getting? So, you know, they're entering into another competitive environment. It's not like there's a whole bunch of people sitting around in, in, uh, in Sonoma going, you know, I'd like, I'd like my radio station a lot better if it didn't have commercials. So I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to pay $6.99 a month. 
Oh boy, I, I I don't know. I know it's I know they're trying, and Michael O'Shea's a great guy and a very creative guy, and he's got to do what he wants to do. And maybe maybe Lawrence Amaturo, the owner, Lawrence of Sonoma Amaturo, who's a really good guy too, is is trying to you know be creative and do all this. But uh, I don't know, Jackson. I think it's a uh, it's a distraction, and I think they help them lose focus on what they should really be doing is making sure that their radio stations sound really good. Well, Michael has always had good sounding radio stations and he's, he's, he's got a, he's got a really good ear and it's in a good market. And Lawrence is a supportive guy. So I, I think that it's, it's worthy for them to experiment with it. The real issue to me is they say, well, you're going to get a premium product from our radio station because there's going to be no commercials. But then the question is, what's the premium? It's got to be something more than just the music. And then are they going to have local talent? Now in Michael's case, he's got some pretty good local talent. But that's going to have to carry it. That's going to have to be the reason that I want to listen to this morning show or this afternoon show is for that local content. Because otherwise, there's nothing different really about his music mix than pretty much anybody else's. So we'll keep an eye on it. It's a, it's a real interesting battle. And I think the one thing I will give all of them, all these guys credit for, is they're trying some new stuff. And that takes some courage and takes some uh, moxie to do it. So... Well, and, and, and hats off to Michael O'Shea, who we've known now for 38 years, I have, I think. You know, he's a great guy. He's a great radio guy. He's a great programmer. And he's still in the business. So, so kudos to you, Michael. Good luck on the subscription thing. Absolutely. Well, you know, as we constantly talked about last week, we beat on the print media and how much trouble print is overall. The, the decline in subscriptions is amazing. Well, we, we got to take uh, ownership. It's also hitting uh, radio and TV. And TV viewing is down another 9% quarter to quarter this year. Broadcast was down 11. Cable is down 11, uh, 9%. And what, of course, masks this is their revenue, while their, rev their local revenue declines, it's made up for by increased retrans fees. They, these guys have signed some long-term contracts, so they're getting more per subscriber, but the subscriber number is coming down, but they still are making as much or a little bit more. Some of the TV groups are making 40 to 50% of their revenue on retrans. So that masks what's really happening. And, and as a result, they also are running into a situation where the networks are trying or actually are competing with their local affiliates with their OTT offering. So the question, Keith, is do the networks need a local television affiliate at some point in the not-too-distant future? Well, I think it's a more distant future than not-too-distant future, Jack. And I think they still will um, until, uh, until cord cutting gets just so prevalent that, uh, that you know, that, that makes a local, a local feed uh, you know, just uh, insignificant or uh, or irrelevant. But I, I I think that I think that time is is, is further off than we know. I think they're just going to kind of reshape what they do in terms of their news product. They're going to reshape the relationship in terms of network comp and in all of that. But I, I think that they're still going to they're still going to you know need to have uh, feed the local beast. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right on that. Although the pandemic has proven to us that things happen these days suddenly a lot faster than you might expect. So, yeah, you know, but what's interesting too, and so, you know, I, and I have the, you know, the, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. I live in Los Angeles, you know, so the minute anything happens here, the minute you get something in your Twitter feed that says, oh, 
you know, ch- you know, high speed chase on the 405 at the 10, or you know, you know, our hills burn every year. So a brush fire in Thousand Oaks yesterday, you know, or uh, you know, some some you know, a riots happening downtown. Whatever is going on, you know, you may get that from your feeds, uh, your digital feeds. But the first thing we all do is we go either online to one of the local television stations, or we go go to run into the other room and pop on the TV because they've all got the helicopters up there. And we want to watch the guy swerving through San Bernardino in the, on the 10 freeway at 90 miles an hour. There's lots of things going on in a city like LA that draws you to your local news and your local network affiliate. But you know, when it gets past that and you're looking at entertainment and you're looking at, you know, clearing these shows, uh, boy, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough one because then you're off into your streaming devices. So, well, and, and I think you, I think you, you, you hit a key point is the streaming de- devices often substitute for actually over the air reception. But the other point of it is that's true in LA is that as true in Decatur, you know, it's no. it's a tough it's a tougher thing. Okay, it's time for hot hits. We could get on that subject for some time. So, <laughs> another woke firing at iHeart at uh, KFAB in Omaha. Uh, the host's name is Chris Baker. He's a, one of their afternoon their afternoon guy, and uh, I guess he um, celebrated the Chauvin guilty verdict by posting a picture of four dancing black men in loincloths. Now he claims. Oh, whoops, it was a mistake. <laughs> My question is, what are you doing with a photograph of four black guys with a loincloth anyway? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I where don't understand you posting a picture of your wife in the bathtub. I can't understand where four of those, where that image kind of came from. So my real question is, is, is there anybody left in the business with a brain? Yeah, yeah, it makes you just want to go, dude, <laughs> really? Seriously, dude? You know, I, I, I just don't know the thought process that, that just gets somebody to, to, to just wig out like that. You know, we're not going to have to worry about Chris Baker's um, on-air show anymore. Nope, not at all. Okay, Market Media, new Market Media Manager in Miami. What's the significance of that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Linda Bird, who's, who's now the, the goddess of all iHeart in Florida and probably South Georgia and the Panhandle and everywhere else, Linda Bird was in Miami. Linda Bird was in Orlando. She was overseeing Miami. Uh, they fired the Miami manager um, uh, a few months back and have gone without a manager for a while. But the DOS was covering it. Uh, Sherry Gonzalez, I think is her name. And, and, and so she got named formally the market manager for iHeart Miami. Big market, you know, top 10 market, you know, important for iHeart. But what's interesting about this is that Sherry's roots go back to CBS radio in... Uh, in Washington, D.C. I mean, CBS, then Intercom, now Odyssey. And so, you know, she comes from a longtime salesperson up, the, up in Washington, D.C., which is interesting to me because the Cox market manager for Miami also had a long, successful sales career in Washington, D.C., Ralph Renzi. Ralph was, was a junior sales guy and trainee of mine when he was at Wash FM in, in Washington, D.C., legendary AC station, I mean, run by Mark O'Brien, Melissa Houston was the sales manager. Ralph Renzi is now the market manager for Cox Miami and their cluster. Matt Mills was there as a baby seller. He's now the DOS at the best revenue generating radio station in the world, which is WTOP in Washington, D.C. And now Sherry's down in, in Miami. So, you know, there's something about the water in Washington, D.C. that creates some, uh, some pretty decent uh, sales folks. So I hope it works out for her. Um, she's got a great background and um, 
but it's going to be like, believe me, I think Ralph and Sherry have met. They know each other. So this will be an interesting battle down there. But, uh, but speaking of, uh, of uh, Washington, D.C. and Wash FM, I bring that up because one of the other items on Hot Hits is that the PD for, for Wash FM, great AC station in Washington, D.C., Joe Kempton, was named this week, this last week, the PD for Coast 103.5 in Los Angeles. Coast is legendary station, great AC station. Morning show is, is, is Ellen Kay, who used to be uh, Ryan Seacrest's sidekick. And before that, she was Rick D's sidekick. Ellen's a strong talent, great talent. But Jill's, Jill not only got named the Coast job, but she gets to keep the wash job. So <laughs> is that a good deal? I okay. don't know. No, uh, Bi-Coastal. No, it's a great deal because she's overseeing two of the best AC stations in America. She used to be the PD up at Light in uh, FM in, in New York. So she is clearly <laughs> great at what she does in the adult contemporary format. But this is going to be this is going to be a stretch. She's going to go coast to coast. So uh, we had uh, we had double L with Lori Lewis a couple weeks ago doing air shifts on three different radio stations. And so maybe we should be calling uh, Jill Kempton double J because she's got <laughs> double duty. Well, and the, 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 the fascinating thing is, really, these days, under corporate ownership, how much control does a PD have? And the differences between those two markets, you know, uh, can, that be, can that be managed adequately? And maybe it doesn't matter anymore. Playlists are playlists. Talent is talent. There's a homogenization of a lot of these stations. So and Zoom is Zoom. So you can be, you can be virtual and do all this. That's but it's true. interesting is that, you know, she's... she's She's working for uh, the guy who's the head of programming for LA now, John Peake. And John is a great guy, a, an amazing PD. Um, he was a boy wonder back when <laughs> I was roaming the streets. Now he's like, you know, senior exec. He's really great. But the interesting thing is about this whole mix is that the Coast Morning personality, Ellen Kay, is married to the former market manager for, uh, for LA, for, for uh, Clear Channel, Roy Lachlan. So Roy used to be the GM of KISS, and then he was the co-market manager with Greg Ashlock when things got consolidated with uh, Chancellor and Clear Channel and some other stations. And so Roy is not bashful. And Roy, is, you know, if you're, at, if you're, if you're managing LNK, you're kind of managing Roy in the background, and that can be a challenge. So, you know, we'll see. But he's, he's a great guy. He's another old radio guy who's still trying to, you know, hang in there. It'll be an interesting uh, family reunion there at, uh, at Coast here in L.A. All right. One final hot hit here this morning, Keith. Uh, Ellen Musk is uh, going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. I used to sell Saturday Night Live for an NBC affiliate. And at one point, SNL was, we could get late news rates for SNL. It was unbelievably popular, well-watched. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of demand for it. Fallen off somewhat. It, why, is, why is Musk hosting SNL and what's the staff think of that? Well, um, I'm sure he's hosting it because he got asked and he's got a bit of an ego. And why wouldn't it? If they asked me to host it, I'd host it. You know, what the heck? It, it's a lot of fun. That's not, it's not a new gig for him. But it just gives them a chance to kind of be one of those very rare, non-show-busy types that can uh, go on and, and perform. But the early uh, response from the, uh, uh, the current cast was not very favorable. And a couple of people were really outspoken about, you know, 
you know, what are we doing with a filthy capitalist hosting our show? You know, gee whiz, this is, you know, so we'll, we'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to, you know, make sure that, uh, that uh, next week and, and see how it all turned out. Well, Musk has done this, obviously, so we create some buzz and... Like to sell more Teslas? I mean, yeah. he was 75%, you know, up. This just- was... Five percent. He doesn't need to sell another Tesla. He's he smart. just needs to keep his name in the in the in his name relevant. That's all there is to it. Okay. So Keith, uh, there's always so much fascinating going on in the media, and we pick on uh, on it every week. We have opinions about all of it. Some of it relevant, some of it not. Unfortunately, that's got to do it for this week. We encourage everybody to subscribe uh, on YouTube or your favorite podcast. We drop a new program every Tuesday morning. Keith, would you uh, sign us off and say goodbye? Well, you know, it's been another action-packed week in media. Thanks for sharing your insults with me. And uh, I hope that uh, those of you that are watching have enjoyed it. If you do, hit the like button. You know, give us a like. Give us a share. You know what? We're, we're, we're worth it, aren't we? Absolutely. Have a great weekend, Jax. Take care. Bye-bye.